Right. All right. This is the Primetime Angles Radio Show with your boy, the Primetime Capper and the Don of Cape Cod, Jeff Dawson. And yes, I'm so sorry. I know that I just started the show about 10 minutes late. I wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to start at the 10.05 mark. But you know, I had to get my coffee and everything right. And then somebody wants to call and, you know, you got to tell them you got to do a show. But then they keep, keep wanting to talk, Jeff. So you know how it goes, man. The, the price of stardom, pops. The price of stardom. Oh man, I ain't I ain't nothing but a I ain't nothing but a capper, man. That's it. <laughs> well, that's what you think. Trust me. You're yeah, wrong, man. yeah, man. Jeff, talk to me, man. I, I I even put out today's show topic so people won't be feeling so. Where are we going next today? So it makes you want to sit here and listen to the show today. And just know one thing that we are being the highest, uh, we are becoming the highest rated show on the network once again, but we are putting it even in even better numbers than we used to do when we had the night shift. So the change in time has been a blessing in disguise for both me and the radio station, everything like that. Hopefully you guys are listening. Hopefully you guys are telling hopefully if you're a business owner listening as well too, you want to get a part of the wave so then you can go ahead and get your business promoted on a daily basis as well too. You know, we do got some things in the fold as well, but um topic of discussion. Let's go ahead and talk basketball first, Jeff, because I know that's exactly what we usually always seem to talk about. So I made sure it was going to be first today because I just want to get it out the way. So Durant declines $32 million. What, Jeff? I thought you were going to lead in with breakdancing the 2024 Olympics. Look, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Look, 2024 Olympics breakdancing. How do we even cap that? Like, seriously, like, <laughs> how are we even going to do anything with that? Like, okay, Listen, minus I, 1,100 on Boogaloo Shrimp. Okay. I heard I heard from a good source, Turbo and Ozone are coming out of retirement. What, the coach? Do you remember... Uh, before your time, remember the, the movie Breakdancing? Turbo yeah. and Ozone? Breaking, yes, I do. It's, do you, you have to understand, you know, you, you know, uh, when it comes to hip hop filming and films and all that, I've pretty much seen all of them. So, Breaking One and Two, two yes. American, two Americans showing America how to break dance. Yep. <laughs> Turbo and Ozone. Turbo and Ozone. So, yeah, Turbo and Ozone may be becoming a kid. What's the over under of them coming out of retirement? I think they'll be better coaches, though. Yeah, yeah I, I would you. have to say at this time, that was, uh, what, mid to late 80s. So, I mean, they'd be coming out of probably the real retirement home to be teaching these kids. So. Right. And I'm, so, and I'm just, I don't get it. How are you going to be able to do it? Like, are you trying to, like, have a rival gymnastics or something? Like, what's going on with this? Like. But I know what they want to do. It's just to keep people watching the Olympics so they don't have low ratings. So, you know, experimenting things. And I think, where, where are they having that? In Tokyo 2024? Or are they having that one in 2020 in Tokyo? Paris in 2024. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I would have thought they would have introduced it in... Um, I would have thought they would have introduced it in Japan. Because that's going to be a fun Olympics, the one in Japan, man. Are they drifting in Japan? Did they add that to the Olympics? Oh, man. I don't know. People, I know baseball is still mad that they got kicked out. And softball got kicked out, too, didn't they? Or is softball still going? No, I think they're out, too. I don't know what this is. Like you said, I, it's all about the ratings. 
it's all about you know who's watching and who's paying the corporate dollar for the advertising so maybe they're just trying to broaden the horizon the cultures the people uh in general trying to get more businesses and corporations involved i don't know i look, think it's absolutely it doesn't make sense to me. look jeff this is my opinion. We're going to move on and talk about the NBA because I did not just want to start my show talking about the Olympics. So, <laughs> look, this is what I'm going to say. There's only five sports that truly matter at the Olympics. Track and field is one. Boxing, because boxing is, is always, it always shows you the future of boxing when you see boxing with the, the boxing. But since we got guys now that want to stay until they're amateurs, until they're 35, then it don't really matter no more, you know what I mean? So, but you know, Cuba's, some of them ain't got no choice. Um, then you got basketball, yeah, basketball, and gymnastics, but really, I hate to say it, men's gymnastics, you don't get no love, it's the women's gymnastics that gets all the love. And then, Jeff, which one am I, and swimming. Everything that has to do with swimming. That's a big deal too. But the rest of these sports, if you're not on NBC, if they don't show your sport on NBC, I mean in the NBC local network, then you don't matter. <laughs> you don't matter. If they're showing you on MSNBC, the four o'clock, uh, th- three o'clock in the morning event, you won the first gold medal of the Olympics. So what? What was your sport? You know what I mean? So. Yeah, there's just a lot of sports and a lot of people out there, but it's an honor for anybody that gets the opportunity to be an Olympian. All right, so, Jeff, before you start talking about Olympics, I was trying to mention that Kevin Durant declines a $32 million option. Not very surprising at all. So, it looks like the movement is moving towards New York City. Is it going to be the Knicks or the Nets? Who has the most? Who's gonna say that they have the most patience? That's what I'm on right now, Jeff. And I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't it be a little bit more attractive to play with the? I'm not gonna say he's gonna be uh, the rookie of the year, but the more and more I keep thinking about him, and the more and more I keep looking at the hype that they're still surrounding him with, and I think that he'll be able to uh, consummate uh, the, uh, you know, the hype a little bit. I think R.J. Barrett's gonna be very good this season. I think that uh, maybe. Durant might want to be looking at, since he has to sit out a year, that he might want to be playing with a uh, young and upcoming guy like R.J. Barrett, you know what I mean? Or instead of going through the, the emotions and headaches with uh, Kyrie, to be honest I, with you. So, what do you think, Jeff? Here's my latest on the situation. Does Kyrie... Kyrie wants to play with KD, but he knows he's not going to play for a year. So... And I can't even say that Kyrie and the Tarnish, uh, he, he left Boston dirty. He really did. Uh, he has a ring. Uh, he basically ruined a marriage with LeBron. I don't think now they're going to go kiss and make up, obviously. So here's the question that I, I propose to you and the rest of the listeners out there. Does Kyrie want to play one year with RJ Barrett without KD? Let's say they slip into the eighth seed or they miss the playoffs and then in comes KD and they're a top four seed and you know it's basically of course Kyrie couldn't do it without KD Is you see what I'm saying? Right well I think that they don't need to play together I'll be dead honest with you 
No, I don't think any superstar needs to play with Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving, since he thinks he's so, such a great player, why don't you show us how you can lead a team on your own as well, too? You know, because people got to understand, it took Kobe three years to figure it out. You know what I mean? And Kyrie, without LeBron being with him, he has about, what, he gave him the league 2011, I'm thinking? And um, he's been in the league, what, eight, we would say nine years now? And so, four of those years were playing with LeBron. And three, the first three years were um, mediocrity in Cleveland. You know, and he was leading the team, but leading them nowhere. And then you have, uh, but he did make the All-Star game in that in that time as well, too. So, you can't, you just overlook the fact that he was, his, his individual talent, you know, is amazing. But the thing is, though, he, two years in Boston, yeah, they made the playoffs, but Boston really made the playoffs because of the team structure, not because of him and the coaching structure. And I think that to, that Kyrie, now, okay, now you've had literally five years to run a team, but really three years because Boston didn't need you to be their leader. Boston just needed you to fit in and do Kyrie things, you know, and um, I'm just saying, okay, now he's had three years, is uh, is five years, is leading his own team, I'm, I'm guessing, really three. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if you're going to go to Brooklyn, you don't need that much help. You got already, already got a scrappy bunch of players that will, will ball for you. You know what I mean? And so if you go to Brooklyn, you already got a team that made the playoffs. So if you're an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell, you don't need a Kevin Durant coming. You already have a team in place that's going to be making some noise next year regardless. And you coming to their team is going to impact the whole community. And now you're going to be like the face of Brooklyn. But I really do think, though, he will take the coward's way out and he's going to go wherever KD, KD wants to go in my opinion. So if KD goes to the Knicks, he's going to the Knicks as well too. And I think since Jeff, you pretty much already said it, that KD to the Knicks is, is should be a, a lot. I'm thinking to myself that it's an 80% chance of it happening that he goes to the Knicks because the Knicks are the only team I know that really does have the patience enough to sit there and let somebody be hurt for a year. I, I'm be that honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think the Knicks, MSG, the Mecca, uh, they got Barrett. It makes all the sense to well, Katie, go to, go to uh, Madison Square. I hope he makes his move first, and then I really want to see Kyrie score. I right. really want to see him score. Right, and I think that just Kyrie, you know, coming to the Lakers, that's not a fit at all because the Lakers don't need – more they don't need more stars i think the star power with ad and lebron alone is enough at this moment and i know they're still going to go out there a third guy and we're going to bring it up in a second because i got to get up go over my state of the lakers with you because i don't i just want to make sure that you know we stay on topic so with that we've talked about the kd thing enough so literally KD, we're all on. We're all waiting for you. So I know we won't really get anything that we want to really hear until like July 6th or whatever date that they start signing and going to different teams and stuff like that. So we'll leave it at that. But my thing is, real quick, Kawhi Leonard stays staying in Toronto. That's my question. And the more and more I think about it, the more and more. 
it just makes the most sense in the world for him to stay there. And this is my reasoning why Kyrie needs to stay in Toronto. Say Toronto doesn't do as well next season and the season after, he can get out of there. He can demand a trade and they'll make it happen. I promise you that. He won't have the same issue. He won't have the same luxury with the Clippers. If the Clippers come out and they're awful for two or three years, they're going to beg him to say, please, Kyrie, we need you to stick around and, you know, uh, just help us sell tickets, you know? The Raptors are more about winning. The Clippers... They want to win, but they they really just want to figure out a way to where they could be the head honcho in L.A. for like a year or two over the Lakers. And they feel like they could win L.A. if they're able to go get the hometown hero, um, Kawhi Leonard, guy who just came off of literally beating one of the greatest, what they consider one of the greatest dynasties um, ever in NBA history. Even though they were shorthanded, you know, everybody's, oh, it's an asterisk, but, you know, I don't believe in asterisks at all. You know, you you show up with who you uh, showed up with at the championship, and that is what it is. You know what I mean? You can't sit up in here and pout about, you know, oh, well, they didn't have this and that. Well, they had enough to get here. So if they, you know, sometimes you can write a Rudy story and try to get yourself a Hollywood ending, but that didn't occur for the uh, Warriors, and the Warriors did have a, a great chance of winning the series. It's just that they just didn't get their luck at the end of the game like they usually do in most spots and that's what happened and so literally I really truly think that the best move for Kawhi Leonard right now is just to stay pat stay in Toronto they believe in you you believe in them you guys have made a great great um you know a great great relationship there's no way there's no need to disrupt that right now the whole city loves you and they're doing everything possible to keep you and that means not bothering you when you're in the middle of the street i think that that's something that you reward if you're a player in my opinion and um we'll see how it goes but i'm rooting for Kawhi to stay in toronto uh right now jeff i don't think he needs to run to la just get you 260 million dollars from um Toronto, if it doesn't work out for the first few seasons, they'll figure out a way to trade you, and then they'll be able to get a house from some team like the Clippers or the Lakers later on down the road. Think about it, Jeff. Think about it. Makes too much sense. I mean, I don't think... I, you know, he, he, he was comfortable in the San Antonio. He then had a bad year with pops, injuries, whatever it was. Uh, uh, I take my hat off to Toronto. They took the one-year leap of faith. And they're sitting in the catbird seat right now. And the GM sticking and staying. He was offered ten million a year to go over to the Wizards. He's staying. So I think that might have a little added information. Meaning, if he was going to Washington, maybe he would have thought that Kawhi was already going to the Clippers. I think by him turning the money down and staying, probably tells me that Kawhi's staying as well. Yeah. And I think that that's just the best bet. It doesn't matter if Jerry West is sitting in the front office. They still the Clippers. You know, then you got an over, overzealous owner, in a sense, and Bomber. You know, and I, I think right now, the way Kawhi's mentality is and the way his, the way Toronto is treating him, there's no way you leave this team. There's no way. You know what I mean? They're giving you the world. They're giving you the country. You know, why not? That's my thing. Why not? Just go ahead and do it. All right. We got to go to your commercial soon. So I want to make sure we get these two other topics in before we get to the 30 uh, minute mark. We're going to be bringing in Philly Pete as well to Jeff. We're going to be talking some MLB futures. Um, 
literally, he's coming in a little early, though. I thought he was coming in at 145, and I didn't know I was going to start the show a little later than usual. You know, only 10 minutes, but, you know, that 10 minutes, that's time, baby. That's time. Um, all right, real quick, Jeff. Kimba to the Celtics makes too much sense right now, buddy. Hey, here's the problem. Okay. Quick. The Celtics, Celtics can offer him four for 140. Okay? It's about 35 a year. Um, Charlotte can offer him a super max in 220. Whether Mike does it, we don't know that. He's 29. It does make too much sense, but is a 29-year-old going in for his big, big last probably a rock contract going to leave 80 million on the table if Charlotte decides to supermax him um, so I guess the, uh, the ball's in Mike's hands does he pass it or does he shoot it uh, I, I can't see Kemba if they decided to supermax him come to the Celtics to what chase a ring and leave 80 million on the on, on the table I, 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 I can't see that but real quick my thing is I really just don't think Charlotte can afford it they can max them out, but you know what? They're they're maxing they're 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 limiting their future as well too. So if the return doesn't come back, they're still getting rid of the contract in the next two to three years. So I think that it, all in all, what you say to yourself is that Kimball Walker is a loyal soldier. Let's let him go ahead and go make some money somewhere else and go go be a star somewhere else, and we can go ahead and rebuild this thing and build through that. But knowing Mitch Cutchback. He's going to need a superstar, so they will do the $220 million deal. But when you hand somebody $220 million, they need to be able to have people want to come over there and play with them in Charlotte. And Charlotte doesn't have that appeal right now. That's the whole thing, Jeff. That's my thing. Who does Charlotte have? If if Kemba walks, who does Charlotte have? Um, Nothing. And I think that... What they would say to themselves, we can go ahead and reset the button and try to uh, shoot for the top pick in the draft next season. You know, all you got to do is bellyache and whine real quick, and maybe you can get the same situation New Orleans has ran into. You know, the one team where the owner literally does not care about the team, but they made sure that they they made a big stink about things when their star player, who's been uncomfortable with them for the last few seasons, asked to be traded, and then literally do the same exact trade that they would have done in the regular season, but they fired the GM so they could get a better GM to make sure the deal happened. It's just, uh, you know what I mean? Ah, you know what I mean? And I want to go to the state of the Lakers, but I'll save that for tomorrow because the Lakers is, we'll sit here for the next 30 minutes talking about them. Maybe we can talk about it a little bit later on in the show. But all in all, I'm just going to be quick with this. D'Angelo Russell looks like it would be a good idea, but I will pass if I'm the Lakers on that one. Um, to be dead honest with you, I think that that ship has already sailed. But if they bring D'Angelo Russell back, great. But, you know, all in all, I really want Kimba to be the target. But, you know, Kimba might say just what you said, Jeff. He might not want to leave $80 million on the table. So, hey, you know, it is what it is. We'll be right back. Uh, this is the Primetime Angles Radio Show with your boy, the Primetime Capper and the Don of Cape Cod. And this show is brought to you by Twinspires.com. This is the Primetime Angles Radio Show. We'll be back to you in a few. Hello, and thanks for listening to t- Yeah, we, we got to get back to the, it's a, for the, for the primetime angles radio show. We need that, 
But well, it doesn't matter. Once I get back into the studio, things like that, we'll have the engineer go ahead and bust out the Back to the Future. But I'm on my uh, Martin, Martin J. Fox right now, and I really do uh, see some things in, in the future that make a lot of sense. And let's talk about the AL Cy Young Award. We got Justin Verlander, number one, at two, at two and a half to one. Then you got Garrett Cole. Three to one, your boy Chris Sell out there in Boston. I don't know how, but he's but he's three to one as well too. Giolito, three and a half to one. We got Barrios, four to one. Uh, one of my favorites right here. Odorizzi made me used to make me so much change when he was at in Tampa Bay as well too. When when people was really sleeping on him, you know Jake Odorizzi, Jake Odorizzi coming in at seven to one. Charlie Morton, seven to one as well too. Montes, we can kind of scratch him out. 80-game suspension just occurred the other day. That's crazy, too, because he pitched a, a well of a game. He helped us cash out. He, he was the pitcher that night for that pick six, Jeff. Next day, he gets suspended. Good thing they don't take games back like they would have done if it was college football or something. Good thing they don't do that in baseball. Like, every game he started, we're taking off the board. That would be terrible. That would be terrible. Uh, then we got um, we got Montez. Then we got Mr. Bauer, another Indians pitcher. He's sixty to one right now. Then we got um, Tanaka, who's eighty to one. And then you got Miner. I don't even know why Miner's here, uh, Jeff. Mike Miner <laughs> of the Rangers, but he's he's um, seventeen and a half to one. It looks like, uh, or is it one hundred and seventy-five to one? I, I I can't see it. Seventeen and a half to one, though. It looks like. I see plus 175, plus 17.5, Jeff, there. And then I see uh, plus 20,000. So, uh, what are you guys thinking of that group right there? I right, Let me give you my five values. Do you guys have five values for that one as well, too? I would say give me the top three. Give me the top four. And then I'll just be a little cute and be like, throw Odorizzi in there because the Matt Twins are just absolutely killing it. Nobody's really talking about it much, but the Twins are killing it this season. And they got not one, but two pitchers in there uh, for the Cy Young as well, too. But I like those five pitchers right there. Verlander, of course, number one. You got Garrett Cole, number two. And they play on the same team. So they're literally telling us that it's going to be somebody from the Astros that's going to win the Cy Young. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. Correct. All right, so I'm thinking that, okay, we give Odorizzi a shot just because he made made me a lot of money over the years. So that's the, that's the thing. Well, he's lost some money for me, too. I can't act like that. He's just Mr. Perfect. Because, see, these pitchers that you lean on and love, y'all know this, too. They will have that day where you, like, why they sit over here at a plus 180 and then they get bombed out and sit, like, seven to zip when they got to lead a game? You know what I mean? Like, oh, that was the reason why. <laughs> okay. But uh, who do you guys like in that group? I, I, I just think, it, it, you know, it, it's very top-heavy. Like you said, you nailed the, uh, the two Houston Astro guys there with Verlander and Cole. Uh, if you look at Verlander's resume the past handful of years, he's been so strong in the second half of the year. I used to always kiddingly, but not kiddingly, say that they... Uh, MLB turns their head and he's allowed the uh, <clears throat> juice uh, for the second half to keep him stronger and his numbers usually just explode. Uh, Houston, 
I would lean Berlin. I mean, I would try to look for some value. I am selling on sale. Uh, just like I said, the last three starts, uh, I don't know what Tampa was doing with Snell. He's still hurt. Uh, they should have IL'd him. He's got shellacked his last couple starting. So um, I'm selling on sale. I can definitely see the two Houston big, uh, with Cole and Verlander. I lean Verlander in that group. Odorizzi, uh, that's a nice little value play. The Minnesota Twins uh, should be able to hold on to that division lead. Cleveland's got a great stretch coming up, though. Um, Nice, nice schedule. They're hoping that Kluber, Salazar, and some of the other pitchers come back. Um, there's not a lot, not a lot of names there that that are used to being there. Once you get out of the, you know, the top four or five. So, I think if you really dig deep into that group, pops, you might take a few swings. You know, quarters, uh, units, and some long shots. And then, you know, I would. I lean Verlander. That's that's who I would put my stamp of. I say they had you two fifty on Verlander, and then they had you three hundred on um, who was the pitching behind him uh, on on Cole. They literally they giving you big value with that. See, we go crazy over a plus two fifty when it's a regular game. So I don't know why you wouldn't want to go crazy over that. But what they're telling me too is that the Cy Young Award is wide open. Because there could be a pitcher that just steps it up the last, the next ninety days, and he takes over the spot. You know what I mean? Well, well, I, I, I'll throw I'll throw up the, the craziest scenario of all. Uh, uh, I'm hearing a Mad Max, which I know is not going to happen, but like a Madison Baumgartner name floating around, obviously to be traded at the uh, deadline. What happens if a Madison Baumgartner comes over to the Yankees and goes eleven and zero the second half uh, for the Yankees? Um, Something crazy like that. I don't know, but I, I'm not a buyer on sale for sure. Uh, I, I, and the Sox, I, I keep saying they're going to sneak in the playoffs by default, uh, play tamper in probably the playing game. Uh, call it a hangover. They didn't address the back end of the bullpen. Uh, too many injuries up front. So I, I, I put my stamp of approval on the two Astro guys. Yeah. Petey, what you yeah. think? Yeah, I wrote down two guys before um, I came on the show, and um, my stamp is Justin Verlander. Listen, man, this guy is like the Benjamin Button, man. He, he gets older, but, but he's pitching younger. Um, this guy is just hot, he, you know, 114 innings pitch, 142 strikeouts, you know, 10 and 3, 267 ERA. I mean, this, this guy is just, you know, the older he gets, the younger he feels. Uh, I just feel like, and he's, and he's pitching again, this, this gem of a team that we have in the Astros. Um, Derek Cole is, is, you know, is, is, is there too, but um, I think if I'm taking a, a shot here with the Cy Young, it's got to be Justin Verlander. And then my, my value play is, like we all said, uh, Jake Odorizzi, man, and the job he's been doing in Minnesota. Um, Tampa, again, what Jeff said, uh, I don't know what the hell they were doing, not, not, not getting him again. But, you know, again, another guy, you know, he is uh, another 10-3 and, 10 and record, 2.5 ADRA. Like, these two guys... If you want to value, I think Odorizzi is the way to go for Minnesota. But I, I just think my my stamp right now is Justin Verlander. Again, this, this guy is just pitching lights out for yet a team that's likely just going to be steamrolling into the playoffs again. Well, and I think maybe their struggles have gone away because they had the, the worst week ever last week. Yeah. You start off Father's Day losing 12 zips to the Blue Jays. Then you wind up getting swept. Um, 
the next in the next series, and then you go to New York, and New York just literally shellacks you for three games straight. Then they give them the last one, you know, whatever. But you know that was a bad week, you know, losing six in a row like that. And um, but once again, when you're when you get yourself in that front running position, you can let the other horses catch up a few lengths. It doesn't matter. It's all about how you finish. So I think literally, like that's what I was trying to explain on the show last literally last week all week that these hot teams. There is no such thing as the the hot hot team in baseball. It's it's, it's a weekly it's a it's a weekly bag. You know what I mean? And um, you know the Astros. They needed to get their little, you know, kinks in the armor a little bit. Um, and it's it's actually worked out pretty good. For, uh, it's actually going to work out pretty good for them because you get to losing at this point, like, you know, late June or something like that. It's okay. Just don't be losing in September when it really, really counts. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I think, I think we're all on the same page with this. It looks like we're going to be getting an Astros pitcher as the as – the, um, Cy Young Award winner, but we'll see how it goes, man. Um, so nobody likes um, Giolito, huh? Giolito 350 is pretty good, and he's probably the hottest pitcher in the league. I know when it comes to betting, he's the pitcher that you want, even though he did slide for the other day. But it doesn't matter; he is the guy that you want, though. On the mound, I think I think Pops, what, what, what you've got to take into consideration for me in the back half is this: is he had a great run. He was on fire, fire. Uh, two starts ago, had his worst start in this eight-game run. Got a no decision uh, against the Red Sox. You have to look at who he's pitching for. And again, I'm not calling this the NBA uh, or college football or even the NFL. We were talking MVPs in the NFL, and it's quarterback-driven. The point is, he would have to be absolutely dominant, dominant for uh, a White Sox pitcher to be named Cy Young just because, you know, where their record... Yeah, he... If he posts, uh, uh, you know, a 17 and uh, five record with an ERA under three and 200 strikeouts, it's great. But they would tend to lean on a Verlander or a Cole, a team that won the division by double digits, a pitcher that kind of 18 or 19 wins, uh, a bigger game. That's all. Yeah, I know San Diego doesn't want to hear me say this, but I still think that the White Sox dodged the bullet by not bringing in Machado. To be that honest with you, like, because Chicago can build, because the White Sox can really build a team up that they want to build up, and if they want, can make a big deal somewhere down the road with the far, with the far, with the kids, then they can go ahead and do that. You know what I mean? And White Sox, you know, and the White Sox always got the Dodgers on line one. They share the same spring, spring training facility. You know. <laughs> You know, I was watching Moneyball last night too. It was very intriguing. You know, and I'm waiting. I'm looking to see who's gonna be the biggest seller when it comes to uh, the trade deadline. But we'll get to that point when it's time to get to that point because we're still early in the process. Um, well, not early in the process. Really later on in the process. But well, y'all know what I mean. We got about 40 days before we get to that point. Now, real quick, NL Cy Young. Ryu minus 200 at this point. They're literally saying that it's his award to lose right now, huh? And Max Scherzer, even though Max Scherzer's not having a Max Scherzer season, but see, Max Scherzer's going through the same thing Clayton Kershaw goes through in the playoffs lack of run support. 
So I would say put plus 150 on Scherzer, man. That's just off of credibility alone. You know what I mean? Because we know Scherzer's killing it. And I think they're giving him a plus 150 because at the end of the day, I think the Nats are going to be sellers, Jeff, when it comes down to it. They're going to be sellers, and Scherzer's going to bring in a big, big return. You know what I mean? And it's going to come from one of these teams that's chasing a ring. Um, I'm not going to say the Dodgers would do something that drastic, but they've been known to do something drastic like this before. But I'm thinking more Yankees and then your Red Sox as well, too, might make a move. And then, believe it or not, the guys sitting over in the um, aisle way and knowing that they still got an opportunity to get back into it, I would say would be the... um, I would say would be uh, your Phillies, uh, Pete. So... You know, there, there you go. There's, I think Scherzer's another one that's a high end, a high end pitcher that will probably be. They might be looking for a new destination for him so they can get that money off the books right now and save Scherzer the the prime of his career as well too. You know, you don't want to be on a team as they rebuild it and then your career. You know, you still a dominant pitcher, but then you 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 have a middling ten and ten seasons. You know, Scherzer is so much better than that. And then um, we got Walker Bueller, who's coming in with a big value, but shit, he just came off that 16K performance uh, last Saturday. Uh, he's 10 to 1 at this point. And then our guy, um, Jeff Louis Castillo, is coming in at 20 to 1 right now. And then Kershaw. How many Saiyans does Kershaw have? Five, six? And he's 20 to 1 this year. Wow. And then Jacob DeGram, another guy that could be sold off on during the trade deadline. But the Mets have been, been pretty good at staying pat and believing in something that believing in the fact that they could probably get ahead. I think that that's the New York the New York state of mind that they have. But the Mets have a lot of problems though right now. It start and it all starts at who's managing the team as well too. But after watching Moneyball last night, I was like, how relevant is the manager though? Though. Seriously, is or was that just the A's? Because you know, Billy Bean walked up in there and it was like, "Well, you're out of here, you're out of here, and you're out of here." You know, the and the managers just sitting there with their arms folded. You know, and, and I'm thinking, do like do the Dodgers do this with with Dave Roberts and you know all these guys? You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm just it just kills me. Um, and then let me continue with the list because I know we, everybody's moving. Everybody's getting a little silent. So uh, we got Hater, 30 to 1, whatever. He's a reliever. Grinky, 30 to 1. Uh, also, Soraka, 37.5 to 1. Davies. Davies is pitching really good right now for Milwaukee as well, too. He played, he pitched well. Uh, he, You know, we got the over yesterday. But, you know, uh, which is, the team they were playing is pretty tough, man, uh, when it comes to that. The Mariners score a lot of runs. So, you know, but, you know, Davies got, can get run support. So, that 50-1, to one, hmm. And then your boy Aaron Nolia, uh, Pete, he's 50-1 to one as well, too. Eflin is 60-1. to one. And then you get Hendricks, 80-1. Uh, to one. Hendricks is pitching for the Cubs, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And he's the only Cub up here. That's where I, oh, That's wild. That's wild. He's the only Cub here. All right. So here goes my five for this group. We got five for this group. Okay, we'll we'll get Raul. Yeah. 
We'll put Rival in there. Of course, Scherzer. Scherzer brings a good value, even though it's plus 150. Then, you know, Kershaw, we'll, we'll, I'll just put him in there just because it's Kershaw. And then DeGram, if he's able to get on a better team during the trade deadline, if they don't hold this boy hostage for much longer, he has a possibility of turning it on with the next team, maybe getting the Cy Young down the road. But I'm thinking to myself that I think the Cy Young Award really does belong to Mr. Rahul, who's having a season, who's having the type of season that the Dodgers have expected out of the kid for since they got him. So, you know, it's awesome to have the Dodgers. When you look at their rotation, it's magnificent. They got the best starting five in the um, NL. I'm not gonna say in the league because we got other teams that are pretty deep as well too. But when you start looking at the Dodgers group and you say, "Damn, they got three out of five guys here," and they could have put all five guys in the uh, Cy Young uh, race, and you know, only Rich Hill is the only is the weakest link, and not it's not because his pitching, it's because his injuries, the blisters and everything like that. Real quick, fellas, what are you guys thinking about the NL Cy Young race? Well, I, I personally think, unfortunately, you're going to see the Dodgers and Dave Roberts really manipulate that IL, uh, where you can actually grab an extra uh, couple days without even cheating and only missing the one start. I mean, the head over heels going to win that division with their eyes closed. Ryu's had a phenomenal start. Uh, uh, but with that being said, uh, how does Dave Roberts manipulate the starting rotation moving forward into the second half of the dog days of summer? Uh, uh, I'm hearing in Mets camp, uh, they will not move to Grom if they did move a starting pitcher. I'm hearing that it would be Thorne that they would try to move there. Uh, for value, I, I mean, I would hope to beat Ryu. Obviously, Max at plus 150, you would have to throw a token in there. Uh, I personally would take a swing with Bueller, but again, he's young enough where I don't think they will really press him moving forward uh, to make sure that this rotation is, you know, solid, ready for the playoffs. Uh, the the one that intrigues me at thirty to one is Hayter. Uh, Milwaukee definitely needs start pitching, and it's so hard for a reliever to get a Cy Young. But this guy comes in; his numbers are just absolutely off the charts. He's averaging about two and a quarter strikeouts for every inning that he does get in there. Uh, Brewers' dream season last year. Uh, really, start pitching is killing them right now. Uh, I don't know what they'll have in the second half if they don't make a move, but. Uh, Hater and Bueller for me for value. I would definitely take Max uh, at the plus money, and I would hope to beat Ryu. That's what be for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yep. Literally piggybacking what Jeff said. I mean, I, my values were definitely I had on my list. Hater and uh, Bueller as well. A uh, couple, couple of uh, tickets you gotta have. You, got, you have to have on Scherzer for sure. Uh, but Ryu, I mean, he, he's. He's gonna be impossible to stop right now, and uh, clearly why? You know, minus two hundred. I mean, he, he's got the obvious odds to win this, and um, you know, I know it's chalk, but you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Ryu Scherzer. Um, my other two values, as Jeff said, you know, Hater with the magnificent season he's having with that team, and uh, and Bueller. Hmm. Strong, strong. So y'all heard it. So uh, Philly P giving y'all some value there, but it looks like it's a cinch. And it is what it is, man. All right, so we will go ahead and take another commercial break. We're going to talk a little bit more baseball real quick. Um, 
or do we do we do we want to go ahead and do you think that we can knock this out in the next uh, two and a half minutes right before the 11 o'clock hour? I think we got enough time. I just want to make sure we Jeff hears this as well too. Updated odds on to win the AL East. I'm gonna go through the AL real quick. We got the Yankees minus 525 at this point. The Rays plus 475. And the Red Sox coming in very valuable, Jeff, at plus 750. And then let's not even worry about the Blue Jays and the Orioles. They're literally saying they have no shot at all. 300 to 1, 350 to 1, who cares? So, Jeff, real quick, uh, the value is the value there. Red Sox, plus 750. Let's make this straight. The, the Yankees' epic start, 20-plus games over 500 with half their team. They're going to add one or two arms. Uh, no one's beating the Yankees in the East. If you wanted to take the swing, uh, you could hope that the Red Sox made a couple moves, maybe a start pitcher. Evaldi is coming back real soon. Uh, I will tell you from the horse's mouth, there's no Red Sox magic this year, in my eyes. Uh, but the value's there. You can take a swing at them plus eight, whatever. But I, I will tell you this. No one's beating the Yankees in the East. No one. Hmm. Well, strong. That's strong. So the Yankees seem like they got themselves uh visit going to the uh championship series. Huh? They just go get the pennant. Just skip out uh, just skip the season now. Just no, get... no, they're gonna have to go through Houston. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm they're saying... gonna have to go through Houston. I'm not giving it to them. I'm gonna say it'll be a hell of a series if that's <laughs> the way it matches up. You know, in the in the golden eyes of Red Sox Nation, the Sox are gonna host Tampa. Uh, in the play-in game and beat them and then they're just miraculously going to be them facing the Twins and then, you know, grind out a seven-game series win with them and then they'll only have to play the the winner of New York is Houston. They're not going to have to go through both of them this year. That's what everyone's hoping down here. Well, oh, awesome. And we will see. We know Yankees World Series is always a profitable World Series. Um, Here goes the AL Central real quick. 6,000 minus 6,000 on the Twins, plus 900 on the uh, Indians. And then literally, we don't even have to talk about the other three. White Sox, Tigers, Royals, come on, man. 60 to 1, 250 to 1, 250 to 1. Yeah, get them out of here. Um, Real quick. I think the Indians got a strong chance, man. That plus 900 is a beautiful, beautiful number, Jeff. I don't care. This team always figures out a way to... To, to really win in the summertime and the team ahead of them always figures out ways to lose in the summertime. This is going to come down to the final weekend. I'm calling it now, Jeff. Final I, you weekend. Know, it's, funny. It, it's funny because when the season started, uh, uh, we, East BSI said, look out for the Twins. And then what happened was Cleveland got out early, then the injuries, the starting pitching, the, the, the Salazars, the Klubers, the Clevengers, they just kept dropping. We released... The Twins plus 190 about six weeks ago, and then they went on this miraculous run, and they got the 10-game lead. I'm a, I, I preach about decent. If you're not listening, not following it, try to jump on the Sirius Radio or at least get their newsletter. They've been talking about this Cleveland schedule now for a long, long time. In the next month, it sets up beautiful for them. The only question is, does the pitching come back, or do they become sellers? So yes, pops. Plus 900, throw a quarter on it right now. Do whatever you're going to do. Buy, buy, buy now. We'll tell you this, though. You win this by starting pitching, okay? And you're going to beat an Odorizzi. You're going to beat a Berrios. Gibson's pitching pretty good over in Minnesota. Yet Cleveland 
has the number one ERA for the bullpen. And then that's what was so miraculous about last night. Brad Hand comes in, gives up five, a grand slam, and the uh, KC comes from the dead to uh, come back and beat Cleveland. So the value's there. I endorse a quarter play, uh, whatever you decide, on the plus 900. Just be ready, though, if they make their big run and they really close the gap quick, to get jump back in on the Twins. That's all. All right. Well, the twins minus six thousand is a bit too much to me, yes. especially yes. with the way that they did. My point was, if, if you got Cleveland plus nine hundred, and then next thing you know, uh, Cleveland's got a two-game lead, uh, uh, and the Twins now are plus one twenty-five, you can get back in and you can make yourself some guaranteed money. That's the whole key. It's the guys. I heard that, brother. I heard that. Well, all right. This is what we're gonna do. We're going to be quick here. Let me just say this. They literally are telling us now that the AL West has been won. It's minus 20,000 on the <laughs> on the Astros. So I don't think we need to talk about much. You got the you got the Astros coming. You got the uh, Rangers coming in at plus 1,500. The A's at plus uh, 2,000. Uh, Angels 22 to 1. And then um, one of my favorites. You know, what about favorite scoring teams? You know, you can always, they always good for over. Uh, the Mariners, 50 to 1. The 13 and 2 Mariners who, uh, of this season as well, too. That's, this is killing me with that, Jeff. Team starts off 13 and 2, and they're absolutely awful now. Awful. Sell, 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 sell. And you're right. Uh, I, listen, I, I wouldn't even, if someone handed me $20, uh, uh, to put on one of those guys. Hey, listen, I wouldn't even waste the paper. I'd hand the 20 back and tell them to go get lunch. No one's beating the Astros. Right, and that's it. That's all. We can finish with that. Jeff, damn, I know I'm going to lose you before we can talk about the uh, MLB pick six, but we do got to pay some bills real quick. So, so with that, Jeff, you got to leave us, correct? That is correct. Okay, Jeff gave us a little bit of extra time. I thank you for that. Um, thank you so much for that as well, brother. And uh, literally, um, we will get into it. Hopefully, we, we'll throw the numbers out a little bit later on today. But, yep, pretty much that's what it is right now. You guys uh, stay tight. Me and Philly Peter are going to uh, rap a little bit. I'm going to have him for another 10, uh, 15 minutes. And we will rap a little bit um, about the uh, AAC and um, then I'll get into the pick six a little bit later on in the show for you guys today and everything like that. So there it is. Uh, MLB, Back to the Future. Dun, 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 dun. I, I know that wasn't the thing, but it is what it is. It, it, I tried. I tried. But, yeah, literally, we, we will be right back. Um, you guys enjoy these commercials. This is the Primetime Angles uh, radio show with your boy, the Primetime Capper, Pop DiBiase, and the crew. Uh, the Donna K. Kyle, Jeff Dawson, and Philly Pete, the jeweler. All right. Sorry about that, fellas.
All right, we are back with the Primetime Angles Radio Show with your boy, the Primetime Capper, Pop DiBiase, and I still got Philly Pete in the room with me on the phone. And oh, yeah. I know we rocking out Canada. What's up? I know y'all listening to the show right now. I'll be seeing the ratings after the show. Canada is with us. All love, baby. All love. Canada, you always know how special you are to me. And uh, big shouts out to everybody who's uh, listening to the show. I got some feedback right now. People are enjoying what's going on, Philly Pete. But let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit. Uh-oh. Just make sure you don't say anything back to me. But there is no HR, though. That I know never of. Never is. <laughs> that I know of. You know what I mean? So, Not here. You, you know, uh, you know, but I'm just cracking up because I said switch gears. I'm thinking about Molly Quorum. She made herself look bad with that, too. Oh, atrocious, brother. Atrocious. All right. And, Jeff, and real quick, Petey, we going to talk a little fantasy, too. So that's why I was like, let's make sure we're quick here. Um, AAC East. Uh, East Division, we got um, Central Florida, uh, nine and a half wins. I have them going under. Real quick, Philly Pete, where do you have them? What do you have them doing? Yeah, yeah, I got I got them under as well. I'm thinking more of like a seven and five this year. Um, if you uh, you want me to get, want me to like give a little breakdown real quick or just real quick? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, it's just more or less like their their, their schedule is pretty tough. They open up at UCLA and then. It, Ohio State, that's that's usually two losses right there, and then um, you know, they'll, they'll get their first win in the middle of um, September against Miami, but I don't see this team being as good as last year, um, so um, yeah, they'll take a little step back, and I think they'll be at least 7-5, and five, but I like the under. The way, what you just said, I feel like they're not going to even get be that good until they get to the conference play, bro, to be yeah. honest with you. They'll probably go into conference play with a losing record this year, and yeah. then they'll be able to bounce back, but it'll be a little too late because they play on the tougher side of the AAC, oh, yeah. in my opinion. Only team that you can discredit and kick out the group is uh, UConn, literally. But, you know, I even got UConn being much better than they were last season. And I know Jeff would love to hear that as well, too, because, you know, he's, he has ties to UConn. Um Oh, yeah, and a big shout-out to UConn for finally doing the right thing and going back to the Big East, a place they should have never left when it came to hoops. Ever. That should have been an exception, Big East. You made a big mistake because now you know that the you know that you lost some big dollars when you uh, let UConn walk out the room like that. So, you know, UConn lost big dollars because of that. They went from Nike to Under Armour now, right? Yeah. I believe so. Right, but Nike kind of walked away because of the issues with the basket, with the men's basketball team constantly getting into violations and things like that. They really can't have a name on something like that. So, exactly. you know, that's why they they out of there. Under Armour is where everybody goes to who has a scandal now. Everybody who's had a scandal. Let's go on over to Under Armour. Okay, let's keep it. Let me let me keep it rolling. Uh, Cincinnati um, over six oh, this yeah. year. I think that they can win the East actually this year. Uh, PD, I think that um, they were really good last season, and they got a lot of returning players coming back from last season as well too. So I got Cincy over six. Uh, what do you think with that? Same thing, man. I like the over six as well. Um, you know, they they got a pretty decent schedule this year from what I'm saying, but I, I like the over. All right, cool. And then we got UConn over two and a half. They'll win three games this year. They Not, will. Three games. They will. 
I think that they'll, they'll get the the, the 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 FCS game that they play every year. I think it'd probably be Rhode Island to start the season off. And then I think they'll sneak one out against Tulsa this year. And then they're going to get an upset against one of the better teams in the AAC. I can't name them yet, but it'll be a week where none of us see it coming and UConn winds up getting a win. Okay, I'm so. Gonna be, I, think it's, I think it's gonna be Navy, and this is like completely going crazy. But I think they beat Navy somehow. Well, I I, I I believe in that sentiment right there because I'm gonna tell you why in a moment once we get to Navy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why, and then we got Eastern Eastern Carolina. I got them winning no more than three games this year. They're under three and a half, so I think we can cash okay. that bad boy right there, brother. Uh-huh. Uh, they're they're awful, but they're a team that gets much better at the end of the season. But they're still trying to get acclimated to playing in this type of conference of football. They were so used to playing in Conference USA's and Division One Double A's and things of that nature. They were dominant when they were there, but now they're in a real conference. Though eventually East Carolina be just like South Florida and Central Florida, and you know uh, have their day in the AAC. But as of now, that's not happening. So I'm got them going under three and a half. And also make sure when they play against the big boys this year. You bet against them on the spread. They are so good at getting beat by 70 points. They really are. What are you thinking about ECU, uh, Petey? Yeah, same same thing with you, man. No, same thing. No, uh, no hesitation there. So you got them going under, too? I got them going under, yep. Well, East Carolina mad at us. <laughs> yeah, they are. If the East Carolina fans are listening, I thought Pop had some love for us. Sorry. <laughs> I just gotta Sorry, be, not to, not I just gotta help you out real quick and let you know you're going under three games. But you know what? You're gonna be good to us when we need a plus twenty three on a Saturday. I know you will. Exactly. You'll be good to us. And then um we got South Florida. I think South Florida takes the East, to be dead honest with you, brother. I got them going over eight games this year. They got they still got an awesome coaching staff. They brought in some really good recruits from the Miami Dade area as well, too. I think that this team is going to be on the up and up like they were a few years ago, and they'll get back to where they were. I think the injuries kind of piled up, but they still are the fastest team in the uh, conference, and they move very, very quickly. And you love the the way that they that they that they set up in this situation for this wide open division this season. And I really like South Florida to go ahead and go over eight. I got them winning ten games or better really this year as well too. Uh Philly, how what you think with South Florida? Yeah, man, as you just mentioned, man, this 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 team this the fans of UCS should be really excited for this team. Like they're an up and coming team and they'll be good for years to come, I believe. And uh, you know, and, and like you said, it's an open it's an open conference and this team could easily take care of this this uh this group and um i'm liking all, all the leans that i'm seeing what you literally just said uh I'm, I'm liking the over i'm liking definitely eight games for sure um but this is an up and up and coming uh program that all the fans and students should be proud about when it comes to ucf football yes i like them, and i like them a lot brother um all right real quick West Division. We got. I got. Um, oh man, I'm about to skip out on out on your neighborhood team, Temple. Under six and a half. They went six games or worse. That's how I'm feeling with them this year. They regress. They do. They I regress. Agree. They do. They do. But they're gonna be tough though. They're gonna get tough wins against the top team. See, this is a team you don't want to see late in Philadelphia in November. You know, yeah. that's the whole thing. 
in this conference. They're going to be a tricky team, but I think that their non-conference schedule is going to mess them up this year. They six and six at best this year for this team. At least, yeah, yeah, yeah at least they can get yep. a, still get to a bowl game, but they just they not can, they're yeah. going to be. I don't think that they go over six wins though this year. So they're giving us a half, so we're going to go under. Yeah, worst comes to worst, you get that push at six, but I can't see him winning any more than that. Right, we don't get no push, we got the hook, baby. The yeah. gift and the curse. That's all that matters, man. Yeah, That's we got the gift and the curse, brother. Man. That's it. All right. And then let's talk about the West. Let's talk about the West, baby. <laughs> all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about the West. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the prime, the prime remix. Right, the Prime Remix, you know, the Prime CF, CFB PG Remix, you know. Houston, over eight this year. They're going to win the West this year because they start off with a with a tough schedule this year, and they are going to win the, uh, to me, they they either going to win the West or Memphis is going to win the West, and they're over nine this year. Both these teams are 10, nine and ten win teams, in my opinion, this year. I think both of them could actually win ten games this year, to be that honest with you. I think that they're going to be very, very dominant, Houston and Memphis. And then when they play the game, that's going to be the AAC game of the year, in my opinion. It, I, I truly do, because I think the winner of this game could actually just take the conference, you know, in the conference championship. So, Houston, Memphis, both over. Uh, Houston's over eight, Memphis is over nine. What are you thinking here, Philly? Yeah, so I'm going to go start with Houston, man. I think they go undefeated in the uh, in the conference. I think they go eight and zero. I think if they go, my guess would be ten and two overall. They November sixteenth. Make sure you put down your calendar. That's the Memphis game. Houston is at home. I will give the advantage to Houston, no doubt. Um, but based on what they have, they have Oklahoma and Oklahoma in the season opening game. That's something to look out for, 100%. Um, but I, I like this Houston team. I think they'll be from an eight and five team last year to to I have to I think it's gonna be at least a ten and two team this year. Um, Houston's gonna be fun to watch this year. Mm, I like it. I like it. All right. So uh, okay. So we got that right there. So then I got Navy under six this year. I think Navy wins about four games. They're gonna regress. It, it, they're gonna they're going backwards, Philly. Uh, yeah. Last year kind of showed me when they stepped up and they're about may uh, I think they're about four or five games out, whatever. But regardless, though, this team really looked bad. They they started giving up a lot of points. You know what I mean? And I think that this is gonna continue. It's gonna linger into this season. I don't see much more happening for Navy. Navy had a good little, you know, they had a strong coach who has. You know, uh, uh, non-quit mentality, he doesn't back down, things like that. But now, I think that the talent of the AAC is going to catch up with them. They're over their hard work and them going hard. And they're going to go back to being like how Navy was a few years back before, you know, they, they got into this little dominant streak of things. So, I got Navy losing uh, a lot of games this year. I, he got them going four and eight, you know, maybe five and five and five and seven but they're going under six though this year, uh, brother. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, four and eight or five and seven. I might have them listed at five and seven here, but I'll tell you, man, like the the dominant Navy teams that we've been seeing in the past, kicking Army's butt every time in Philly, Maryland, wherever it's at, um, not no more. Um, this Army team is starting to turn into this Navy team um, from years ago, and uh, this Navy team is taking steps back. So, um, yeah, four and eight, no more than five and seven I have for Navy. Mm. 
And then SMU, I, this is my dark horse right here. They could do, they they could they could easily, you know, be the surprise team of the year in all of college football. They they're on the brink of really becoming a really good team. They they got the they got the they got the, the players. They got the Metroplex on locks. They get all the guys that don't go to the big schools, but still are Texas legends and things of that nature. So this is what makes it fun when you when you dealing with a team like this. The um, when you're dealing with the team like the um, with the, like the Mustangs, SMU, and I like the over six here. I love it. Over six, I think this team is their worst. At worst, it'd be seven to five this year. They are a bowl team this season. So SMU over six, I love it. I like it a lot, and they could possibly be the dark horse that takes the West. They could be both Memphis and Houston this season. Yeah, I'm saying it now. You know what I mean? Both they got a good team, and they they and they got a lot of returning players that have been there with the last few seasons as well too. Now they're seniors, and they're they're determined. So that's what I'm seeing with that. So I do have SMU um, as going over six games this year. Then Tulane, um, not much to talk about here. I got Tulane going under five and a half. So they're five and seven at best, in my opinion. And then Tulsa, I got them going under four and a half as well, too. Uh, Tulsa is just not that good. I think Tulsa finishes up four and eight. I think they win four games, but they don't go over four games. So I'm going to take the under because we get the hook there. Real quick, Philly B, what do you think about that? that those scenarios right there? Yeah. Yeah, Tulsa, um, they were 3-9 last year. I expect them to be the same, maybe worse, maybe 2-10, and 10, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here, and I'll, and I'll say I'll give them 3-9 this year. Um, they'll be lucky to win a game in the conference as well. I don't but they'll cover, they though. Coming. They will. They'll they cover. Will. They'll cover. They will cover. But yeah. um, I just don't see anything coming out of there, so unfortunately it's going to have to wait a couple more years for this team to get back on track. Um, Tulane as well. Um, I like them to. Uh, I like them to go under. Um, under this, I have them going five and seven this year. Um, they, it, 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 we'll see what happens. They, they might get a bowl game, um, but right now I don't have them making the bowl game right now. Um, and then SMU. I mean, you know, th- these these fans is what this is. This, this is what the fans have been waiting for with a football team. And um, you know, I have them going seven and five. Um, they're going to get a they're going to get a bowl game this year. Um, compared to last year when they were five and seven, they just missed out. But this year, this is their chance, and I agree, pops. As you said, I mean, dark horse. Um, th- this could very well be the team that will surprise people this year. Um, so I am going seven and five and making a bowl game. All right, all right, Philly Pete. Do you got a few minutes to just talk some fantasy football real quick? Top five. Yeah, I have like, I have like, yeah, I got like two minutes. Yeah top five quarterbacks this is prime times five top five quarterbacks and you guys you know what i'm gonna come up with a great idea but i think that i will go ahead i will put up a fantasy league this year i'm trying to think either espn or uh yahoo one of them but i think we will put a league through espn this year and we'll try to make it something to where if you enter the enter the league you get yourself a trophy and a little uh cash prize at the end of everything so how does that sound philly p you think that you could win my league yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but i love your idea yeah you, you think you could win my league i think that i need to be the commissioner i don't need to participate i just need to keep it keep things intact but i might want to participate as well to see if you could beat me 
or you know, hey, let we'll we'll put it together. But fantasy league, you guys be on the lookout for that as well too. And Philly B gonna have everybody ready on Sundays, man. Okay. FanDuel, uh, DraftKings, he's gonna have you guys, you you one day players who want to cash out jackpot guys uh he's gonna get you guys right uh I, that's oh, yeah, all i can yeah. say he kept finding gems all last year he was finding players that aren't the guys that are at the top of the food chain he's gonna find guys for you that are gonna get you the stats that you need to beat the next man yep no yeah. doubt be ready be ready i'm, I'm getting excited i really am it's mm. that time of the year almost we are almost there mm. All right, so top five. Top five keys. Top five QBs in my book, and I'm gonna have my running backs tomorrow. And you gonna be? I'm gonna I'm gonna make everybody laugh with this one. I'm gonna make everybody laugh with this one. My top five QBs don't include Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, but they do include somebody that was in that draft. Um, that's from that time. I'm talking about guys drafted in like 2000 through 2004 who still seem to be in the NFL. Uh-huh. We, we're, we're, we're now really not even paying attention to the time they've been in the league anymore. See, when I was younger, they used to always bring up the fact that this guy's going into his 13th season, blah, 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 blah. They don't do that no more. They just be like, we just want him to come back. You know what I mean? And uh, these guys are willing to do it. My number one rated quarterback on the list is not Patrick Mahomes. It's Deshaun Watson because he's a dual threat. Running and passing. Running and passing. Michael Vick numbers on the run game, and then he can get you some Marino numbers on the passing game. I feel like this guy is going to get a whopping, whopping number this season, uh, Philly Pete. I think that he's going to run for 1,000 yards this year, and he'll pass for 3,500 or better this year. He could have a 5,000 total yard season, brother. That's why I'm saying Deshaun Watson is 30-plus touchdowns minimum this year, if healthy, in my opinion. I think that he's gonna, that this is going to be a fire starter offense this year with Deshaun, and I'm going ahead and I'm circling Deshaun Watson is my number one quarterback prospect for fantasy draft, for uh, the fantasy drafts. Number two is, who else? The MVP, Pat Mahomes, Chiefs. I just had Pat at two because I think, like, Pat is going to be having some bad weeks, uh, Philly. I think that there's some teams that are going to adjust to his style, and if they do not have Tyreek Hill early in the season, it will affect his numbers. I don't care what anybody says because Tyreek Hill opens up the field for everybody, and literally it's going to be a tough, tough guy to replace the first month of the season because it looks like they'll probably be suspending them the first month, two to four weeks. And you know, to get back in football shape, it's going to take you about a month. You know what I mean? Since they're going to take you out the game like that. So um, I got Mahomes too. And then I got Luck coming in number three. I know that's that's almost like a diss to Luck because Luck should be number one because this guy, when, when healthy and, and ready to roll, he's 40 touchdowns or better he, all the time, you know? And um, I think that with this, he'll be really good this year, but they're going to have a run game as well, too, and a defense. And I think he's going to manage more than anything. He's not going to try to rush things as much. I think that he likes managing, having really long drives, really just deflating teams. So I like him at number three, um, highly rated quarterbacks. 
And then um, Jared Goff coming in at number four. I think I might be playing a little hometown favorite and things like that. But, you know, I think Goff has a bunch of weapons. You got Cooper Cup coming back healthy next season as well, too. And then they'll find a gym or two in the preseason that's going to be able to help the, help the team get to the next level. And the way that uh, McVay has it schemed up, it's, um, Goff has nowhere but to go up. So that's where, where I'm going with that one right there. I'm going to go ahead and take Jared Goff, number four. And then my fifth is the old is the only old man I put on in the group and I put him in this because I think that he wants to teach the he wants to teach somebody a lesson that guy that's playing over there in uh, Oakland right now and I think that it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger who's going to have a monster season with Juju. I think that they want to really go ahead and confirm that they can do this without him and they can do it well without him. So well well well. Yep. I love it. I like your top five, man. Yeah, man. So, I got a good core right there, man. You got an absolute good core. Yeah, so I'm not the fantasy guy, but if I was, those are your top five quarterbacks, in my opinion. Uh, Philly P, do you have any top quarterbacks that you've got listed? Uh, Because I know that you guys got big boards and everything for the drafts that you deal with. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got. So. Based on, I mean, it's subject to change, but as of now, if these are my top five, it's, it's, going to, it's most likely going to stay this way until my, until my draft day. Uh, number five, uh, call me crazy, but I love Baker Mayfield at number five. Um, you know, last year he was thrown to a tough situation, um, but he pulled through most in what people expected. Um, he, you know, once they got rid of Hugh, Mayfield completed about 69%, 70% of his passes, and uh, basically threw for about 285 and close to three touchdowns. And now, and at, at most one interception per game. Um, now they bring Odell Beckham, and uh, oh boy, this you know, this is what the Browns fans have been wanting for a while now. Um, you know, they're not going to win the division. All right, I'm not going to have high hopes for that. Um, but the fact that they brought a top-notch receiver um, is definitely, definitely going to help. And hey, it won't hurt the young kid in Baker as well. Um, they got Nick Chubb in the backfield as well. And don't forget, they also brought in that, uh, you know, the guys will be uh, out for, you know, at least more than half of the season, Kareem Hunt as well. So we'll see what can happen. But this this offense is going to be really, really good in the upcoming years for sure. And um, and I, I like Baker here at number five. Um, and, and that's where I stand with that. Number four, I got the old man himself. I got Aaron Rodgers because why not? Um, you know, he is um, – he just, he just had you know, another guy that had another strong season last year. Um, you know, he, you know, he didn't lose Tyree Hill. You know, unlike um, Patty, but uh, you know, Aaron still has Devontae Adams, who's for me the num- me is the number two receiver on my receiver list, and we'll get into that in the future. But Devontae, you know, as long as you have, as long as you have Rodgers and Devontae, man, like you can't go wrong with that. Um, yeah, another season, great season. Um, you know, obviously, um, everyone thought it was a major disappointment. But again, you know, he, he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, he, he's still throwing at his age. So, um, you know, he, he's uh, he, he's finished. Uh, Rodgers in the past few years has finished first or second among fantasy quarterbacks. So, um, with LaFleur now uh, in the offense, uh, I expect more of the same. Um, and especially now that he has two good legs now. And, uh, you know. We'll see what happens. But Aaron Rodgers, can't go wrong. He's my number four quarterback. Number three, Deshaun Watson, for the exact same reasons that you just mentioned. He can, he can easily get a 1,000 yards rushing this year. Um, 
you know, he, uh, his, uh, um, I believe his first couple of 22 games, he's been doing really well. Um, you know, I expect him to do a lot better this year and um, just look for the Texans offense to, to improve. And of course, D-Hop, you know, again, just going back with Rodgers and Devontae, you have the Sean and, and arguably the best receiver in the game, you know, Andre Hopkins. So, um, you know, as long as his offensive line can keep him steady and balanced, then I think Watson is going to be quite elite in the future for this Texans team. I like Deshaun at number three. Number two, I have Andrew Luck. Um, this Colts team is one of my one of my futures to win the uh, Super Bowl this year. Um, you know, as long as they're healthy, Luck has now been a top five quarterback in all four healthy seasons of his career, and that's saying a lot from this guy. Um, uh, he's inc- um, what he's had is that um, you know it's it's not it's actually for him, Bob. It's it's not a stretch to put a ceiling at five thousand yards for him and maybe even forty five touchdowns. Call me crazy. But it could happen with the offense that he has um, and a great backfield with Marlon Mack. Um, and I believe they got Spencer Ware from Kansas City as well. So that will help out a little bit too. But he's still got T.Y. Uh, got Eric Ebron, who had 10 touchdowns this year as a tight end, which is amazing. Um, but he, he is definitely a top two qu- quarterback in fantasy this year for me, no doubt. And, um, you know, just... As long as he stays healthy with that shoulder, you know, this team is going to the Super Bowl, no doubt. I just love everything about him. So Andrew Luck's my number two. And then number one, can't go wrong. Um, I know it's chalk, but, you know, he's number one in my book, and that's Patty Cakes, Patrick Mahomes. I know I know you lost Tyreek Hill, but still, you got, you got Travis Kelsey, and you have a great backfield. You still got Damian Williams. Um, you brought in, as long as you can stay healthy, you brought in Connors High, you're in the backfield as well. But the fact that you lost Hill kind of, it does hurt, but he's still got weapons out there to help out. Um, you know, MVP last year broke all kinds of records. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, he's Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, he, I expect another stellar season from him with or without Tyreek. Um, they should be going into, the, I guess, the, the info with Tyreek should, should be out soon as well of what's going on. Um, but he, he's in t- Patrick Mahomes. No matter what court, if you're in a quarterback heavy league or not, Patty is still a definitely a, a late second, early third round pick to me. Um, unless if you're really high on quarterbacks, then he's no doubt a first round pick. But um, if uh, if he's still there by the third round, than any other than any other quarterback, then there's no doubt in my mind that you should take him um, no matter what. So those are my top five. Um, I'm ready, man. <laughs> I, I, I can tell. I can tell. Shit, you went to the whole breakdown. I just like, well, I'm just throwing shit on the wall. I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing names on the wall. But nah, I like the fire that I put together too. But that fire that you got is awesome. It's a good yeah, group. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a good thank, group. Yeah, yours as well. Yours as well, man. I came with the talk uh, top five for the other positions as well. Just well getting, we're just well, getting started. Well, we'll have running backs tomorrow. That's gonna be tough. Yeah, that's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be tough, but it's gonna be fun. Yep, it's it gonna be, be tough. But Philly Pete, I thank you for the overtime, brother. I know that you're no gonna problem. have to be leaving us soon, so you know. But hopefully, listen to the show. I'm about to talk about the top and the best and worst fan bases in the NFL, and then I got the MLB pick six for you guys to close up the show and everything like that. And you guys stay tuned. This is the 
Primetime Angles Radio Show with your boy, the Primetime Capper, and the man, Philly Pete, aka Petey the Jeweler. You guys can find him at the Real Pete Tooch on the Twitter. Just put in the PT and you will find my boy. And he does have the daily fantasy uh, for you guys, and he also has the. Um, uh, also has the awesome hockey picks once that occurs. Things of that nature. If y'all know Philly Peach, y'all know what he get down with, man. So make sure you follow him at the Real Peach Tooch. All right, man. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Primetime Angles Radio Show, brought to you by Twinspires.com. Is that old drone head football coach of the LSU Tigers? Back with the Primetime Angles Radio Show with your boy, the Primetime Capper Pop DBIC. Alright, we've had a pretty, pretty good show for y'all today. I hope y'all enjoying it. Because we is going in. That's all I can say is that we going in today, baby. Lots of good things. Lots of good angles. Philly P broke down his, his group. I brought down my group for fantasy. Now, it's time to talk fan bases. And I'm just trying to make sure that we go on because I don't see my little green green mic going off. Yeah, but um, we wind it down. We got about 20 minutes left to go on the show. I know everybody feeling good. Lots of good things that we're talking about right now as well, too. I'm just already trying to make sure we're on the air. <laughs> That's all. Now, now, top now we're gonna go with the worst fan bases to start the show off. The worst fan bases. Look. Look, look, look. Jags. Jags, number one. Reason being why the Jags are number one is because this. The Jags fans literally they came out for about five minutes. I mean like that little run that they had. Um two seasons ago but other than that this team is really not they really don't have a lot of fans like that they like where people would just roll up and be like I'm a Jags fan I've been rock, rocking with the Jags since 95 you don't get none of that you don't unless you live in Duval County that's the only way that you're gonna see a true tried Jags fan so literally those fans did bark a little bit when they were good for a season, but they quickly went away after the second week of the season. So, Jaguars, once again, you have the one of the you're number one in worst fan bases. You're number one because literally you've never really even loved your team as much as you should love your team because the thing is, you had a team that was fairly successful in the first 10 years of their they regimen. They wasn't even that bad. At one point, went 14-2. and two. Mark Brunel, you guys remember that? They also 
got their biggest wins in their first playoff run. They were able to go to Buffalo and beat Buffalo late. And they went, also went over to Denver and beat the Denver Broncos, who were 13-3 and that season, who seemed pretty unbeatable. And they literally went over there and beat them and barely lost to the Patriots, who wound up losing to the Packers in the Super Bowl. Who did the Packers play in the conference championship? They played the Panthers, who had an excellent season in themselves. So, you know, all in all, I know I'm going down memory lane, but I just want to remind people the Jags have never been haven't been that bad. It's just that you never hear any of their fans. I'm going off the fact where you, when you, when I go into a sports bar, when I go into a sports book on a Sunday or just any day, you never hear these 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 fan bases. You just don't ever. So they number one, Jags. Come on, I'm waiting for some Jags fans to come out. Rep they team, man. Rep their team. Titans. Titans, you know how you fall up under this category. People still mad at you about leaving Houston 20-some-odd years ago and still using the, that pretty powder blue because, you know, the Titans got the prettiest jersey in the league, man, if they wanted to. Now, they went to a more royal blue helmet and things like that. I love it, love when they wear it, when they try to pay homage and wear their little Carolina blue helmet and things like that. But too bad that they've been told by the Houston Texans that they cannot wear, oh, Houston Oilers gear. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. They've been trying to wear Oilers gear for a few years now, and they said no. Uh, So it sucks when there's a team that plays in your same division and used to be in their city and literally ran their city, ran that city the first 20, 30 years you know, uh, football, and then you literally, that fan base did not go with you to Tennessee. You had to start all over again. So the Titans are literally an expansion team. I never hear people say, I love me some Titans. Now, there are the guys that used to, that from the, I'm talking about the Madden 99 guys, Madden 2000 guys, they love them some Titans, boy. Steve McNair, Eddie George, man, you know, those great players and that awesome defense that they had. But other than that, the Titans are very, very, very silent. Even though they've had some success over the last few years, they got a quarterback I'm very fond of in Mario and uh, Marcus Mariota. But at the end of the day, though, this team really, really lacks the 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 oomph factor. And so that's why they fall in the number two on worst fan bases. Then we got the Cardinals. Do you want me to even start? This team has moved three times in their in their time. They only had... Okay, this is one thing I will say. When you're good in Arizona, the people will come out and support you. And once they got a new stadium, they became more a part of the community, more a part of the state. Because, you know... Arizona fans were always thinking the Cardinals can move at any time they want to. And they wasn't really begging them to stay like that either. You know what I mean? But they did wind up getting they did wind up getting a stadium, which I think was uh self-funded by the team, or they might have got a little bit of taxpayer money. But regardless, they were able to get a state-of-the-art stadium that they've hosted two Super Bowls in. And regardless, you know, Phoenix is always going to get a Super Bowl because they're on the West Coast. It's hot during the wintertime, and they love places like that during the wintertime. It doesn't rain rain a lot in Arizona. So Arizona will always be a good place to put games at. But all in all, with them fan base, you never see a guys walking in there, man, I love me the Cardinals. 
you meet people from Arizona and they're like, oh, I'm a Niner fan. Oh, I'm a Raider fan. Oh, I'm a Cowboys fan. You never be like, what do you think about the cars? Oh, they're awful. Wow. And this is a team that's been to a few conference championships in the last decade as well, too. But at the end of the day, though, it is it is what it is. They did bring a primetime player in um, Fitzgerald, but that's pretty much all they have. I've been watching the NFL 30-some-odd years. I'm only 35, but I've been watching it my whole life. And literally, that's what I've always seen is that the Cardinals have always been so all in all in, in – most of my time, they've been a mediocre team. They've had some good seasons, some great seasons. Life got much better when they had the, when they got out the NFC East. That's all I can say about the um, Cardinals. But at the end of the day, though, the Cardinals, you didn't, you wasn't even hyped about your draft pick because you know the basement is where you'll be. So there it is, Cardinals, number three on the list. All right, and number four, I had to put them in this category, but. As I say, they are the team with no home. Even when they move into the big stadium in Inglewood, it's still going to be, oh, man, Chargers, can you get more to the house? Chargers, man. It's just I feel bad for this team because they did have a strong fan base. I would have never put them in the bottom fan bases if they didn't leave San Diego. But in L.A., they they just not getting over in San Diego. Literally 75 to 80% of San Diego turned their back on them. But I did see some of y'all in San Diego fans coming on back when you saw that they was uh, one of the more successful teams in the NFL as well, too, last season. So don't so don't act like we didn't see you. We saw you. We looked at you. We know that you still love your, love your boats deep down inside. And if they play in the Super Bowl, you'll be right there talking about, man, I hope they win just because I was a Bolts fan for 30 years. You just can't turn your back on that team that easily. And you know y'all don't hate L.A. You know you love coming up to L.A. So I think the Chargers might be able to get a reboot if they're able to duplicate the success that they had last season. But as of now, you're number four on my list. Worst fan bases, and it's not because of my city, L.A. It's just because the taste that you, the bad taste that you put in your fans' mouths over the years, man. And it is what it is. All right. And then last but not least. Craig Maddy, don't 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 shoot the messenger. Don't be mad at me about this, but you know this is true. Lions number five. Lions, you got some of the most miserable fans I've ever met in my life. Like you guys are already waiting for a loss, and you guys could be up twenty-one points. Well, you know, with these guys, you never know. You know, man, I can't trust them for anything. Man, we gonna be sorry forever. That's all what I ever hear Lions fans say. They don't ever think about anything in a positive state. Everything is just. Well, when we get rid of Stafford, Stafford's been throwing for 5,000, through for 5,000 yards for four times already. He ain't never had a quarterback like that. Why do you want to get rid of that? What's wrong with you? You know, and I think uh, they might have some of the better decision makers in the NFL when it comes to keeping coaches around because it did work out for them when they kept um, uh, the when they kept their uh, coach before um, the Patriots defensive coordinator took over. Uh, Jim was doing a good job, Jim Caldwell, and it was great when the when the owner did not fire him. So you know, and knew, knowing that he wasn't the problem, that mostly it was uh, about the front office. And literally now, Detroit is playing rebuild, or what are they doing? But eventually they'll figure out a way to get Matt Stafford to a team that he can contend with. 
But I think that he might be at his most perfect fit with the Lions. And I think eventually, one of these days, they'll get over the top. But for now, you're number five. But it was tough. It was tough because all NFL fan bases are very, they seem very loyal. Everybody's fan base. But you just don't, but I got to hear you barking. I got to hear you talking. I got to hear you sweating. I got to hear you getting mad. I got to see you getting crazy. That's an iron. Now, pardon me, just had to take a little bite or something. NFL top fan bases, and I know they're going to love it when I say that's where I'm going from five. Eagles, number five. I'm telling you, boy, my Twitter will get filled up with Eagles fans every Sunday. Not just Philly Pete. Like, literally, guys are having mid-mild strokes, heart attacks off this team. Literally. And you should have saw how crazy they went when they won the Super Bowl. I ain't never seen a um, fan base act up like that. But it was well-deserved. They had waited a long time for it, and they were able to cast that out. And so, literally, Philly comes in at number five on best fan bases just because Philly fans go really hard and I've met a lot of Philly fans over time that never even stepped a, a, a foot in Philly but they Randall Cunningham guys they Donovan guys they they Andy Reid guys they Brian Dawkins guys they just guys that just love that team so that's why I gotta put them up there Eagles are a, are a team and when you got your own theme song you know your fan base really really loves you Really loves you. And I know Steeler fans is going to be mad at me because I took the, because I put the Eagles over them. You guys are almost like a split draw, but I can only put five teams. But you're going to get real mad with the team I put up. And I am saying this because I've witnessed it. I know this. And people, you can get as mad as you want to. But Browns, you're number four. Why? Because your fans have been dealing with misery for almost 20 years now. Literally, they had to have the team leave in 95. Then they had to wait four more years for a team to be absolutely awful the first uh, two seasons, only winning five games. Then they get to uh, uh, the playoffs um, quickly into, you know, coming back and everything like that and literally get their hearts ripped out by the Steelers with the late touchdown. And they ain't been the same since. But literally, they fans have stayed right there, back and call, right there on their legs, saying that we right here with you, Browns. We right here with you. Even though they've had... I countless coaches, countless quarterbacks, countless every position. They had countless fans. They fans stay loyal. Browns backers is one of the biggest fan bases in all of the football. So there it is, man. There it is. Browns, you coming in at number four. Okay, and I'm running out of time. So let me get down to it because <laughs> I was going to take another commercial, but looks like that's not going to happen. So, um, Literally, we got this right here, but we have a jam-packed show, literally like 30 minutes for each uh, segment and everything today, so you guys stay tight. You already know it's a bit, a lot. Uh, there was a lot to talk about. Then we got the Bears, number three. Bears fan base is, is, is one that I witnessed with my own eyes when I came to Chicago, that everybody messes, everybody's a Bears fan. Ain't no, I like this team right here. I like this team right here. No. They are Bears through and through, and the Bears fans are just like Browns fans. 
they roll everywhere they roll or they're they're already there. You know, you guys be thinking that fans are traveling all the way from their city to come watch the team play. No, those fans already live in in that that city, San Diego, the Miamis, the uh, where else? Uh, Even when you go to a game in Oakland or a game uh, over at Levy Stadium in Santa Clara, these fans, I live in California, these fan bases are all spread out because what occurred by not having a team for 20 years. All right, so the Bears come in number three. The Raider Nation. Raider Nation go hard, man. Raider Nation loves their Raiders, man. And uh, Raider Nation, it doesn't matter if they play in Vegas, if they play in L.A., if they play in Oakland. Raider Nation going to pull up for the Raiders, even though it does have a sour taste in most of California's mouth right now that they're going to Nevada, uh, you know, Las Vegas and everything like that. But Las Vegas is... Uh, LA's little sister, you know, I don't know what it is, nothing to Oakland really, but you know, literally Nevada is the next state over. So you can look at it like how, um, the, uh, Jets and Giants playing Jersey. Hey, you can look at it in the same way with the Raiders, California, but you know, the Raiders have always been California's team, period, point blank. San Francisco has been really, was really great, but they got fans that follow the era. The Raiders have had fans that have been diehard since for like the last 50 years in L.A. and in Oakland. It's going to be tough watching them go to Vegas, but it is what it is. I think that will continue to get even bigger as they go to Vegas and things like that. Because now the Raiders is worldwide, just like Al Davis wanted them to be. And then number one, y'all don't even do I even have to really go much further? Dallas Cowboys. You know that you get so that you walk into places as soon as you pull up. The cowboy fans, them boys, them boys, and start singing them boys. And, you know, we the best of the best. Emmett, Troy, Michael Irvin, you know what I mean? Tony Romo. You know, they start going into what happened almost 30 years ago, but it is what it is. You know, they got rings. They got six of them, right? So, hey, you got to respect, you got to respect the jewelry. Hey, five, actually, five, five. But yeah, the Cowboys, your number one top fan basis. So I'm not doing this because I want y'all to be my friend, Cowboy Nation. It's just facts. That's all it is. All right, let's get into it. You know, I went a little over, and you know what y'all listen to this show for. Y'all want some bets. I know you want some bets. There's that guy over there itching his palms. When's Pop going to give us the MLB pick six? Golly, man, hurry up with that. Talking about all this other futures and all this other stuff. Man, I need my plays. Okay, so here goes your plays. Mets money line plus 140. That's my dog right there. And look. I haven't taken Jason Vargas all season, but I looked at Jason Vargas' number, and let me take it back that all that ragging I was doing on him. He's a damn good pitcher. I think that he takes care of his business tonight against the Phillies. There you go. Circle Jason Vargas in the Mets at plus 140 tonight. And then we got the eight and a half, under eight and a half Rangers-Tigers. I know that just sounds absolutely crazy, but Matt Boyd and Mike Miner are on the mound today. They should keep things honest. They should keep the they should keep things in a good place. I feel like a little pitcher duel will go on for the six, seven innings, and then the bullpen will step it up for us tonight, and we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how it goes, but literally, this is I love it. I really do like the under eight and a half here. Rangers, Tigers, we are getting uh, even money on that one as well, too. So take it with a grain of salt. There it is. I love it. I like it. Let's go ahead and get it. 
There it is. Under eight and a half Rangers Tigers. Then we got the Cardinals coming in plus 140. But um, this is on the run line. So I got them one and a half on the run line. I know the A's did come back yesterday. They scored six unanswered, one seven to seven to three. But tonight, I don't see that happening. I see see the Cardinals uh, getting their revenge from a game they should have won last night. And I think that they win this game by two or more runs. That's why I'm taking the one and a half to, in this spot. The run line. So we got that at plus 140 as well, too. So we got Cardinals one and a half um, halfway through the group. And here we go. Our la- uh, our next one is going to be the Pirates plus one and a half. And you, we're going to actually get a plus 105 on this bad boy too. Pirates, um, yeah, I know that they looked pretty bad yesterday. But I think today they're going to keep things close. This is going to be an over bet by a lot of betters today because they really got this idea that, you know, the Pirates are bad and they should be getting blown out. And, you know, because they're playing who? The Astros, one of the best teams in the in the league, but that don't matter to me. I think that the Pirates go ahead and get the plus one and a half for us to, uh, with the run line, and there it is. I'm taking the Pirates um, plus one and a half, and we get some plus money on that bad boy as well too. Yep, and I've and I've been pretty good when I've done this against the Astros this season. So you know, take that with a grain of salt as well too. And then last but not least, we got the uh, well, no, not last but not least, but we got the Braves money line plus 105. Braves, um, that should be good. They're going against the Cubs today. The Braves are one of the better teams in the National League. Going against uh, the Cubs, who are one of the better teams in the National League. And if we started the playoffs today, they would be playing each other in the playoffs as well, too. I look at this like it's a playoff game. I'm going to go ahead and take the Braves plus 105. And then we've ended off with the game that's coming on... A little early today, uh, to be dead honest with you. Uh, this is uh, the Reds and Angels. They actually started at 5 p.m. today. That's a, that's pretty early for uh, the West Coast time. But I think that they're trying to, I think that, uh, you know, the bumping up things a little bit earlier for today and things like that. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a short schedule tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of teams traveling today as well, too. Um, so we'll have a travel day tomorrow. I have to check the schedule. But. I got the over nine and a half at the big A Reds and Angels. But so one more time, let me run that back down for you before I get us up out of here and get you guys to the world hockey report. Uh, first and foremost, we got the money line. We got the two money lines. That's going to be with the um, Braves and with the Mets, both of them being dogs. Then we got the uh, cards one and a half, and we got the Pirates plus one and a half. And our over-unders for today, under eight and a half with the Rangers and the Tigers. And then we got over nine and a half with the Reds and the Angels. All right, so literally, we got so much in today. We literally got everything that was on the script on the show today. So I thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, You guys will be back. I'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific time. And once again, you guys make sure to tune in to the Primetime Angles Radio Show with your boy, the Primetime Capper Pop TBIASI.